That is right, the Chiefs, 2-0. and oh. They got a win on the road. Not the prettiest win, not the most ideal start. There was a lot of ugly in this one, but hey, at the end of the day, it is a road win. It's a road win in Oakland, and it's going to be the last road win ever in Oakland, and it's going to count as a win for Kansas City. Welcome into the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasugi, and along with Zach Steginga, and we... Have got another win to recap here on this podcast. A lot to get into here. Let's get right into it. Little time to waste. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Appreciate everyone who came out for the Facebook Live videos. Join us next week as well. And all the interaction as the week goes on. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. At Farzine21 on Twitter. He is at Z Steginga on Twitter. And the text line... Slash voicemail line 913-808-2119 Already got a couple of texts coming in We will read those at the end of the podcast And of course don't forget to subscribe to the podcast And share the links as well Real quickly uh, We do have the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways We had that uh, this past week And we have found all of our winners, so big thanks to everyone who participated in the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways. I apologize, we couldn't give one. You guys know me, if I could give one to everyone, I would. Uh, I I would if I could, but no worries, we do have uh, Chiefs Kingdom flags to give away. We have three Chiefs Kingdom flags from 2019 to give out, and I also have one that I've kept for a long time. Uh, that is sealed. Never opened again. It's from 2016. A lot of you guys said you would be willing to accept it. So, hey, I'll throw that in there as well. Uh, I know that uh, we have an odd number of the 2019 flags. So, I'm not exactly sure how we're going to distribute that. Facebook might get two. Or maybe Twitter might get two of those. Not exactly sure, but I'll figure that out nonetheless. Uh, just make sure you're following me on uh, Facebook and Twitter uh, to have a chance at winning. As for the Chiefs Kingdom flags, I'll give away uh, two of the 2019 flags this Wednesday at 6 p.m. on Facebook and Twitter. Very similar to the uh, serial giveaway uh, on Facebook. Uh, you'll have 48 hours, but on Facebook, tag three friends, share the post, and like the post as well. Twitter, simply follow and retweet. If you're already following, great, just retweet it. And uh, we'll uh, figure out when to give out the other two at another time. All right, Zach. Talk to me, man. Uh, I mean, first of all, how are you? How is everything going in New York? Man, life's good here. Uh, you know, no complaints whatsoever. My little sister just came out to visit this past weekend, so that was always a good time. Got to see my first Broadway show as part of that. Got to go see Beetlejuice, and it was hilarious. I uh, very much enjoyed oh, okay. that. So, yeah, life's good out here. Um, and, you know, Have of course, you... life's always better after a victory, so no complaints here. Yeah, for sure. I want to get into that quickly. You mentioned a Broadway show. I don't think I've ever seen a Broadway show. I mean, I've seen like you know some of the those crazy shows in Vegas, but I don't think I've ever seen a Broadway show before. And now that I think of it, I've never been to the um, Coffin Center of Performing Arts downtown. Oh, Have you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, with we, we've done this quite a bit as a family. My little sister is pretty into that stuff, um, and I okay. enjoy it as well. I'm just not you know as nerdy about it as she is. If she's listening, well, you're right, Squirt. That's just, <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, we've done you know we've had theater tickets for you know quite a while growing up. Just because again, she's really into it, so my parents you know wanted to 
you'll be able to get tickets to the stuff in Kansas City when it, uh, you know, whenever it came through. So some of those have been at the Kauffman Center, and man, it's an amazing venue. It really is. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to. Go there sometime. I I don't even know exactly what they... I mean, I know... I have an idea of what kind of events they have there, but I don't know specifically what they've had, so I'll definitely have to um, look it up sometime and uh, make a trip down there. Uh, but as far as football goes, because I know that's why everyone's listening to us, uh, on this episode, we will recap the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Also, some Chiefs used to go over that we did not get to talk about uh, since our last episode. Also, uh, several Chiefs players are... Nominees for the 2020 Hall of Fame. It's a big list. It will trim down eventually. We'll talk about that list. And at the end of the podcast, like I said, we'll read your text. We will do our Out of Bounds and Penalty Flag segments. And Morgan Gannum, uh, who sings the theme song for this podcast, he will be joining us at the end of the podcast to talk about his music career and, of course, talk a little bit of Chiefs football with him. Uh, as for this ga- this game, before we get into this game, actually, it's worth noting that Eric Fisher did suffer a groin injury in Friday's practice, and he was at, at least Sunday morning. Rappaport said that it was unlikely. Uh, in fact, it would be an uphill battle that he would play. He looked really good in warmups, according to Matt Derrick, uh, and he showed some of the video online, but. It's easy to look good in warm-ups when your opponent's intention isn't to beat you necessarily. Uh, whereas a Raiders defensive end has that intention. Uh, Eric Fisher did come out. I'm sure by the time this podcast is out, Andy Reid will have some sort of an explanation for that. Uh, but for now, we're not going to be able to discuss that here on this episode. But Eric Fisher goes out. Cam Irving comes in, who was, I think, tied third in the NFL and penalty flag. So already not the ideal replacement to have, and he committed a few in this game, uh, as a a lot of Chiefs. Uh, Not a good game for them. So Eric Fisher goes out, and the Raiders do get off to a 10-0 start in this football game. So Zach, let me just ask you this. Because when the Chiefs did trail quickly in this football game, the Raiders got the field goal. Uh, I think it was a three and out for the Chiefs offense, and the Raiders take over, and they get a touchdown, and they're up 10-0 the black hole is on fire. I mean, that place was nuts. You can tell how loud it was through TV. I'll, I'll be honest, Zach. I was pretty concerned with that 10 nothing start because it's a road game. It's a divisional road game. And with that environment right there, you know Raiders fans, they can be just as loud as Chiefs fans. I wasn't sure how the Chiefs were going to respond in this football game. But boy, they did respond. And we'll get into that. But in that moment, be honest. How were you feeling during that 10 nothing start for the Raiders? I mean, I think it was, I was nervous, obviously, just because, like, you never want to see something like that as the start, but, I mean, I wasn't going to write it off yet. Um, You know, we didn't look good, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I don't want to say I saw, you know, the second quarter coming, because I certainly didn't see it coming to the extent that, to the extent that it did. I mean, that was amazing, Um, but did I think that we absolutely had a run in us? I did, Uh, and so, I mean, I was you know, a little bit nervous, but it was so early in the game that, you know, I kind of went ahead and pushed it back a little bit, if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, uh Steve Spagnuolo, the head coach and the coordinators on this football team. I don't know what was said uh, after the first quarter, but they woke up this football team. Uh, this was a football team that was accomplishing absolutely Nothing. There were overthrown passes. There were underthrown passes. Passes that, I mean, there was nobody even there 
um, Mahomes looked really bad early on, and people wondered, uh, and even in pregame warmups, people were wondering, you know, that ankle doesn't look really good right now, and is that an issue right now with this football team? Is that what's going to cause this team to struggle against the Raiders, and the Raiders could potentially pull off the upset? So there were some uh, there were some concerns right there, but the Chiefs did get going in the in the second quarter, and you said you didn't see the second quarter coming. Nobody saw Demarcus Robinson coming in this football game. Uh, man, he had the game of his life. He absolutely uh, did. Yeah. Six catches, 172 yards. Uh, by the way, last week, do you know his stat line for last week, Zach? Uh, he had like what, two catches? He had one catch for no yards. Oh, well, that's, so in this game, that's a very efficient day. Yeah. Well, when Sammy Watkins is going off, I think... Uh, Kind of makes up for it, but in this game, 172 yards. By the way, uh, do you know what was his previous best in a single game? I'm going to go with somewhere in the neighborhood of 75. It was 89 yards. It was. Uh, remember when Mahomes got his 50th touchdown pass last year to Demarcus Robinson? Oh, yeah. That was 89 yards. So Demarcus Robinson's best game in terms of receiving yards all came from one catch. Uh, and that was against the same team, the Raiders. And then uh, he goes off and has a field day against them. Six catches, 100%. These weren't, by the way, he got o- wide open a couple of times, but there were also some really tough catches he made on one-on-one plays with really great coverage. And we mentioned this before the uh, game, Zach, in our preview episode last week. This Raiders secondary, not a great secondary, but it's also a secondary that has a lot of notable names, guys who can start elsewhere on other NFL teams uh, they did a pretty good job against this Chiefs uh, receiving core, and plus Travis Kelsey as well. A uh, lot of gr- lot of great coverage, I thought. And Demarcus Robinson went out there and he just won the battle against this Raiders secondary. Uh, what do you make of his day? It, it, considering Tyreek Hill was unavailable, Sammy Watkins had a quiet game after going off last week. Hey, Demarcus Robinson sh- showed up. I mean, look. He was as reliable as you could ask for. I mean, six targets, six receptions, 172 yards, right on the nose. But, you know, I love the no drops. He made some really tough catches. And, you know, he just looked like, you know, I mean, really, he kind of looked the part of the number one receiver, as weird as that is to say. I mean, I know he wasn't, you know, I mean, all Sammy Watkins was, of course, drawing their, you know, top cover man. But still, like, yeah. uh, you know, he, he looked good. Uh, and I think that there were a lot of other teams out there thinking to themselves, like, hmm, maybe this Demarcus Robinson guy, uh, you know, he might he might be someone to, you know, try to pick up as we need a number one receiver coming down the line. Or, you know, certainly a solid number two. I mean, to have him buried at, you know, call it three or four on our depth chart, man, are we lucky. This is the beauty of this Chiefs offense. And Tony Romo and, and Jim Nance, by the way, I just loved what Andy Reid did inside two minutes before mm-hmm. halftime aggressively calling timeouts, and, and by the way, ran up to one of the refs, telling them to put four or five seconds back on the clock, um, because once he called timeout, a few seconds still went off, and then when the Chiefs got the football back, already in Raiders territory in one play, Patrick Mahomes to Demarcus Robinson. I mean, that's how easy of a quarter that was. Now, it was a one-dimensional game for the Chiefs in terms of... Uh, you know, when they went out there and dominated. Well, we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, listen to this. Demarcus, we still have a few games left in Week 2. But Demarcus Robinson is leading all uh, players in Week 2 in receiving yards. Sammy Watkins led all players last week 
in receiving yards. By the way, here's another interesting stat for you. For Travis Kelsey, led the team in catches with seven. He had 107 yards. Zach, if you told me before the season, <clears throat> excuse me, before the season, that uh, three players would have 100 yards and none of them would be Tyreek Hill in the first two games. And if you told me Tyreek Hill would be injured and the Chiefs would have 100 yards with three players total in the in the two weeks, I would have said there's no way. But that's what ended up happening. Sammy Watkins almost had 200 yards. Demarcus Robinson was pretty close to 200 yards. And Travis Kelsey got 107 yards. Three different players, 100 yards in two weeks. That is the beauty of this offense. And a lot of credit to Mahomes as well. And the way he distributes the football. And connecting with his receivers uh, more times than not. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that I'll say uh, specifically on the Mahomes piece there. Um, you know, obviously we give a lot of credit to the weapons, and that's certainly deserved. But man, the one that especially sticks out to me was the Kelsey touchdown. Like, just perfect placement. He dropped it right in there. Just a beautifully thrown ball. Um, and you know, it was one of those things. Like, you could just tell he was in the zone. Uh, you know, that entire second quarter, and then really in part of the third when you know he had that uh, you know long bomb to uh, Mecole Hardman that ended up getting take that was you know taken back uh, because of Lashawn McCoy, but. You know, just so many beautiful passes that he threw out there. And for a guy who's, you know, sitting evidently on a bum ankle, uh, you know, he he was looking pretty good as well. Certainly still in MVP form. I mentioned on Arrowhead Addict, I had a column that came out on Thursday that don't be surprised if Sammy Watkins has a quiet game and Travis Kelsey ends up having a big game, which is exactly what happened. Sammy Watkins, six catches, only for 49 yards, whereas Travis Kelsey had seven catches for 107 yards, but obviously someone else had the much bigger game, and that being Demarcus Robinson. Uh, we didn't mention, I mean, you just mentioned him actually, McCole Hardman, four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. And you mentioned the other touchdown, a 74 yard touchdown pass taken away. I mean, that was a sharp, crisp, and sound pass from Patrick. The best pass Mahomes threw, and his feet mm-hmm. were not even set properly either. Like, that was a pretty damn good pass. And just unfortunate that it was nullified because of the uh, LaShawn McCoy holding call. But, man, I I, I mean, this Chiefs offense, just wherever you look, whether you're looking straight ahead, you're looking to your left, you're looking to your right, or if it's a short pass, man, this Chiefs football team has weapons all around. Uh, Two of them were kind of born in this game with with Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman now. Absolutely, and I think that it just goes to show as we said many times, you know, as we were doing preview segments or, you know, in the offseason especially, you know, you look at the just kind of embarrassment of riches that we have as far as the weapons on this team. Uh, and really, it's just going to be a pick-your-poison thing for the defenses. I mean, realistically, you know, if I was a Raiders fan and you told me that, you know, we effectively took away Sammy Watkins, you know, did an okay job of corralling Travis Kelsey, but we were going to let Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman beat us. You know, if that was the strategy going into it, you know, I can't really fault you for that. It's like, you know, in basketball, when you lock down the team's top two scorers, but then, you know, their third guy, you know, absolutely goes off. It's like, well, you can't be too mad about that from a strategic perspective. The guy just went off. You took your chance. You, you know, limited, you know, it's it's like, you know, with the Warriors, for example. Like, you know, if you shut down Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and you get beat by Draymond Green having the game of his life, I mean, bummer. Like, you know, that sort of thing happens. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here. Um, you know, Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman had the game of their lives, and that was, you know, absolutely incredible. 
you know, Romo, uh, Tony Romo, uh, obviously former Cowboys quarterback, he had a very similar comparison with the uh, Golden State Warriors analogy there. And yeah, I mean, this, and he's not the first person to make that comparison, by the way. It's been brought up multiple times uh, last year and a little bit this year, too. Uh, and what were we talking about all offseason, Zach? I mean, the and I think Jim Nance even mentioned, you know, McCole Hardman, you know, given what was going on with Tyreek Hill at the time, he wasn't really the intended target for the Chiefs in the draft, but they drafted him. And now, look, you accidentally, I guess, ended up with this crazy group of offensive players. And what do we talk about all offseason long? You have Tyreek Hill. I know he's not playing right now, but... Uh, you've, he will come back. You've got Sammy Watkins. You've got McCole Hardman. You've got Travis Kelsey. I know the running backs have been off to a shaky start, but they've been able to do some good things through the air. This offense is really hard to stop right now. And, you know, this is nothing we were not expecting. We This is what we were talking about, and now we're seeing it all come out on paper. Uh, you don't have to be a pro bowler to shine on this team. Even the non-pro bowlers, obviously Robinson, Watkins, Hardman, they've been shining in the early start for the Chiefs. By the way, uh, I don't like to put so much stock on preseason, uh, but this is kind of interesting to me. This whole connection between Patrick Mahomes and Demarcus Robinson, this is nothing new new to us, Zach. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, I remember in the AFC Championship game, he did come away with that big catch to help the Chiefs get within field goal range and try to tie the game up to force overtime. Uh, obviously a lot of people remember him for being the guy to help Mahomes get his 50th touchdown pass when he went 89 yards, uh, in last year's week 17 meeting. Again, that was the only catch he had the best game of his career prior to today. Uh, but this whole Demarcus Robinson and Patrick Mahomes connection, this is not new. We saw this a lot in the preseason, especially in Patrick Mahomes rookie season, uh, when Demarcus Robinson was really low on the depth chart. Patrick Mahomes was obviously a rookie at the time. Uh, so we've seen this connection before between Mahomes and Robinson, and it's really cool to finally see that carry over in a regular season game. Two guys who were backups on the bottom of the depth charts, and now, uh, Mahomes, we we know his situation, why he was not up on the depth chart. And now those guys have grown, they've, they've moved up on the depth chart, and they're doing the same thing now in meaningful games. Absolutely, and it's just you know, it's always encouraging to see players take that step forward and really grow into the talent that they have um and you know it's just been fun to it's been fun to watch obviously Mahomes' development but then to see Demarcus Robinson come up with him um because like you said you know Mahomes was always I mean we knew that he was going to be the starter at some point and some point soon that was not really up for discussion whereas Demarcus Robinson it was a little bit more up for discussion uh we weren't totally sure how he was going to shake out um and he did a phenomenal job uh and so it's been fun to uh you watch that development, and I think we're starting to see the early stages of that with McCole Hardman as well. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, 278 yards in the second quarter alone. And I believe CBS had an error on their broadcast. They said that is the most passing yards by a quarterback in any quarter since 2008. It actually was the second most. I think Drew Brees had uh, one a little bit more than Mahomes, but still, that's, that's, that's good. I mean, that's nothing bad by any means. Um, as far as, uh, oh, uh, the rest of uh, Mahomes' stat line, 30 of 44, 443 yards, four touchdowns, 
that is the second career 400-yard passing game for Mahomes. The other one was against the LA Rams. That was, of course, the epic shootout, 54-51, to in which the Chiefs fell short. Uh, obviously, it was uh, awarded best uh, game uh, in the ESPYs uh, this past offseason. Uh, let me say this with the offense. It was one-dimensional. They were great in the passing game. And really great, too. Uh, but the problem is, that got quiet in the second half. And not only that, the Chiefs only went off in the second quarter. I don't know if you remember this in the 2016 season, Zach, but the Chiefs had a lot of games that year where they dominated for just one quarter or one half. Thankfully, in the regular season, that ended up being enough uh, to, to help them get to 12-4. and four, But... It's not necessarily the most ideal thing. I kind of had flashbacks of, of the 2016 season where the Chiefs would excel for one quarter and then they'd be silent the rest of the three quarters. Uh, somehow that was enough to win them games. Yeah, I was absolutely thinking the exact same thing. And I think to a lesser extent, we kind of did that a little bit last year too. Um, but the thing that I guess I'm still encouraged by is the fact that, I mean, look, the running game was not good. Uh, the offensive line as a whole really left a lot to be desired, and yet we still put up you know 443 yards uh, through the air, uh, and it felt like we left some of it out there. I mean, like think about it, you know, we had 443 yards, right, and we had a 74-yard touchdown taken away. Really, Mahomes could have had a 500-yard day today uh, if it weren't for one you know penalty, and that's just with one one play. I think that realistically. You know, if if we completely let this run wide open the entire time, and by that I mean like if we just absolutely had the offense running at full throttle, I mean like we can't pretend like they didn't try to take a little bit off the gas pedal in the third and fourth quarters today. I mean, you could try to convince me of that, but I'm not gonna buy it because we saw what happened when they were going full throttle in the second quarter, and it was amazing. And I think that, like it or not, Andy Reid does that every once in a while. Yeah, and, and I thought that second quarter was going to carry over because on the very first play of the second half, what happened? Tra- uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes to Demarcus Robinson on a nice one-on-one play, uh, but that was really the uh, last time we saw a really big play like that in the second half from the Chiefs. Yeah, we, we saw the McCall Hardman touchdown, but obviously that was taken away, so it doesn't count necessarily. Um, speaking of the touchdown taken away because of a penalty, 10 penalties in this football game after having five last week you averaged more than nine per game last year leading the nfl obviously not a good number to have a lot of penalties especially on special teams i mentioned the Lashawn mccoy penalty by the way there was some there was some something weird that went on where austin Ryder committed a penalty uh cameron irving was charged for the illegal block in the back and then on the next play after their penalties, that's when the Chiefs had touchdown plays, which that was kind of a funny dynamic. But hey, uh, if if if, it, if every penalty meant a touchdown on the next play, yeah, I'd be for the penalties. Let's do it. But uh, no, I mean, I, that was just a coincidence in my opinion. But man, um, too many penalties, especially on special teams. When you have Dave Tobe, you, you look, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a hard time with this, but it's never ideal to constantly start with terrible field position because of penalties on special teams. That's definitely something Dave Tobe's got to clean up. 100%. And especially, like, you know, special teams, so much of that is just, like, it's a mental game. It really is. Like, you know, you just got to focus and not make boneheaded mistakes, uh, you know, as you're running down there, especially, like, things like blocks in the back. 
Uh, that's the sort of thing that, you know, it's. I understand instinctively, you know, you want to knock the guy out however you can, but you have to be careful with that sort of thing. And especially, you know, this is the NFL, man. We have the best special teams coach in the league, and it's not particularly close. Um, and you'd think that he would have some of those things a little bit more buttoned up. So hopefully that'll, uh, you know, come to come to change moving forward. The Raiders had nine tackles for a loss. That is pretty bad if you're the Chiefs. Now, whether it was the 10 nothing start or whether it was during the second quarter's hot streak for the Chiefs or in the second half, this is something the Chiefs struggle with throughout the entire game. The Raiders constantly found ways to stop the Chiefs behind the line of scrimmage. And part of that has to do with the uh, running backs. Uh, There was one uh, occasion on third and I think 13 where the Chiefs went for a screenplay. And that ended up going for negative yardage. Not a good thing to to see on third and long. And then, you know, the running game I mentioned. uh, 22 carries, 31 yards. McCoy ran 11 times for 23 yards. Damian Williams ran nine times for eight yards. That's obviously less than one yard per carry. The, Williams was pretty good through the air. Three passes he caught for 48 yards. McCoy had three receptions for zero yards, which obviously not very good. Um, you know, this, this I thought last week in terms of averages, Chiefs running backs did well, specifically LaShawn McCoy. This week it was Damian Williams who did better, and it was more... In the passing game, uh, both of these guys were really bad in the rushing attack. And again, it goes back to the nine tackles for a loss in this game for the Raiders. I think Whitehead had three of them uh, for his team. Um, This is definitely something you got to clean up. Especially, and I will touch more on the Raiders soon, but that Raiders offense, I mean, they're more three-dimensional this year. And defensively speaking, they can cause some problems uh, for the Chiefs offense. They did it last year. They can do it again. And you definitely want to have a three-dimensional offense, especially uh, in your home opener against a very good team in the Raiders. uh, Excuse me, the Ravens. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, that I guess gives me the most concern as we look towards this Ravens game is the fact that you know the Ra- or the Raiders front seven today very clearly won the battle against our offensive line. I mean, both between the penalties uh, and the uh, you know tackles for a loss, like all of that does. I mean, not every penalty obviously was on the offensive line, but there were sure a hefty number of them. I mean, honestly, Cameron Irving did a great job of making me appreciate Eric Fisher, and you know my thoughts on the man. Uh, yeah, he's always good for one or two bonehead penalties, but man, you know, Cameron Irving sure took that to a whole new level today. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately, it's going to come down to the offensive line has to clean up their act, man. It's it's that simple. I mean, I, the Ravens, you know, uh, defense isn't going to be you know quite what they've been in the past. I mean, they don't have quite the same level of pass rushers but it's still a pretty stout defense don't get me wrong uh and so uh, yeah I don't know how much would have been different today if we had had Eric Fisher in there for a more meaningful length of time uh but regardless we can't be having the uh you know pressure for Mahomes that we've been having the tackles for a loss obviously like I mean and to credit to the Raiders defense their linebackers did a nice job today but uh we we absolutely have some work to do on that offensive line front, and just really the blocking schemes as a whole in some ways, uh, I think really leave a lot to be desired from what I saw today. A lot to figure out with this Chiefs offense. Still a pretty good day, don't get me wrong. I mean, you look at last week, 
Tyreek Hill gets hurt. Patrick Mahomes plays through uh, an ankle sprain, and they went up there and put up 40. This Chiefs team, they were down 10-0 early in the game on the road, and what what do they do? They figure it out. So I, I'm still putting trust in this Chiefs offense, and specifically on Andy Reid, that they'll figure things out. Um, we'll obviously touch more on that uh, in our preview episode on Thursday, which, by the way, Daniel Harms of Arrowhead Guys uh, he's a film analyst for them. He's been on the podcast before. Really, really nice guy and a great job at what he does. He'll be joining me uh, and, uh, and Zach as well on our preview episode. Uh, we'll talk to him and see what he thinks of that Chiefs offense. And what does Andy Reid have to say about that as the week goes on? We'll talk about that uh, in our preview episode. Defensively speaking, I'll keep this short and sweet and to the point. Not bad. Pretty good, in fact. Chris Jones, Kendall Fuller. Tano Passanio, each with a sack. Bashad Breland and Charvarius Ward each had an interception. And Breland's interception obviously was a significant one because it was in the end zone, preventing the Raiders from getting on the scoreboard. The Raiders held to 10 points uh, and didn't let them score in the last three quarters. By the way, speaking of holding the Raiders to 10 points, last year the Chiefs held the Bengals to 10 points and the Raiders to 3 points only two occasions where this Chiefs defense was able to come up strong and hold them to 10 or fewer, and obviously already doing so in week two. Um, And, you know, look, it's on the road, too. Let's not forget, when the Chiefs went to visit the Raiders last year, that was right after the Kareem Hunt uh, video surfaced. The Chiefs gave up 33 points in Oakland. This time in Oakland, they only allowed 10 points, so... Definitely good to see this defense uh, shine. I know they don't uh, do that a whole lot. They allowed 129 yards on the ground. That's that, that, that's not good. It's bad, in fact. But Derek Carr held 178 yards. At one point, he threw a hissy fit. He only had one touchdown in this, in this game. Obviously, I mentioned the two picks and three sacks. Uh, gotta like what I saw from this defense, Zach. Definitely encouraging, uh, considering what happened last week and last year as well. 100%. I mean, candidly, you know, I started Derek Carr in my one of my fantasy teams, you know, the one that I didn't have Mahomes in. Um, and the reason for that was that, you know, really I didn't have that much faith in, faith in this Chiefs defense, and they absolutely proved me wrong. Um, you know, Bashad Breland had a great interception. Trivarius Ward had a "Hey Mom, look what I found!" you know, right place, right time <laughs> sort of interception. But by the same token, hey, he didn't mess it up. So, uh, got to give him credit there um, for you know just having his head on a swivel and making a catch. Uh, but you know, the other thing is that while the run defense left a little to be desired, you know, they like you said, they had what, like 127? Is that what you said? Uh, 129 yards on the ground. 129 yards. But one of those, I mean, you know, if you look at the fact that really there was that one massive run. The, yeah, um, for 51 yards, yep. That they had, you know, you factor that out, and all of a sudden it looks a little bit better. I mean, it's not perfect, but, uh, you know, certainly saw some encouraging signs. And the other thing that was nice is, you know, seeing some pressure on the quarterback. I mean, Chris Jones did a great job. Uh, and then, you know, on you know, I obviously was happy to see Tano Passanio get a pe- uh, get a get a sack in there. But you know, really, that one I think you can hand as much credit uh, to the coverage as anything else. And that was really encouraging because, I mean, you and I have uh, you know absolutely beat on the. Uh, you know, chief secondary and rightfully yeah. so in so many ways like don't get me wrong i'm not apologizing for that um especially the cornerbacks like there are you know it's certainly a merited you know bashing if you will but 
by the same token, you know, if I'm going to bash them when they do bad things, I got to give them credit when they do great things. They really did a nice job today. Uh, did a great yeah. job frustrating Carr, which is always fun to see. He's going to be my new favorite to piss off once Rivers <laughs> retires. Um, and, you know, it's just, it was a, a lot of fun to, uh, you know, watch that defense play today. By the way, I don't know what happened. Um, I mean, look, it's football. I mean, scuffles happen. Uh, but at one point, there was a, a really hot microphone on one of the Raiders players. Do you know yeah, what I'm referring to? I do so, know what you're referring to, but we can't I, say that on this podcast. No, we definitely can't. Uh, so uh, I posted the video on um, Facebook and Twitter if you guys haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I, I, I think it was DeAnthony Thomas and a Raiders player. I, I don't know who jawing back and forth. And he goes, oh, you uh, effing little B, B word. Uh, and then he says, get the F out of here. It's like... Dude, relax. I mean, you should probably be focused on the fact that you had a ten nothing lead and you blew that at home. Uh, I think you have that to worry about right now than where why a Chiefs player is close to you right now. But to be uh, fair, can you really call it a home game? Because like it's really a rental at this point. Like you know, yeah, they, they they don't own anymore. They rent now. Um, obviously, mean, all NFL teams rent, but you get the metaphor here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know what. I'll say this as a fan of football, and I'm, I'm excited to see the Raiders' new stadium. I'll, I'll definitely be there, hoping to do so next year uh, in Vegas. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I, look, I'm glad they're getting out of there because, first of all, you should never have an NFL game with an infield dirt. It's just, yeah, it's unacceptable. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to go on this long rant because we'd be here all night. But anyway, um, the good news, the best part about this win. The Broncos are zero and two, and I think there was some controversy in their loss to the uh, oh, to the Bears. Just, well, yeah, a little bit. Uh, they they had enough chances to have you know, prevented being in the situation that they found themselves in at the end of the game. But uh, you know, the the Bears' final drive was certainly buoyed by a very generous roughing the passer call. If you're a very Bears generous. Fan. Um, you know, I mean, realistically, like it's one of those kind of classic, you know, hit as he throws sort of scenarios, but they decided to call it a, uh, roughing the passer call. And if you go and look at the video, well, it's not that, but you know, that's the NFL we live in today. That's, you know, similar to the, uh, you know, rant about the infield in Oakland. Just, it's probably best not to get me started on this one, but, uh, let me just say this tough loss for the Broncos for sure. Let me say this. Look. Bad calls happen to all 32 teams. I know there's this big myth about the Patriots and how the the Patriots get a lot of bad calls too, but great teams find ways to overcome all of that. I mean, look at last week when uh, Jalen Ramsey did not get penalized uh, for the... um, for the Tyree Kill hit, uh, a few other incidents where uh, the Jaguars... But by the way, the Raiders held Chris Jones early in the game, and Chris Jones was penalized for holding. Look, those things happen to all 32 teams, and good teams find a way to prevent that uh, from uh, making an impact on the final score. So look, uh, it happens all across the board. Sometimes it happens in crucial moments like the Saints game last year. Um, it is what it is. Uh, but the Broncos, 0-2. Chargers lost their first game of the year to the Lions. They're 1-1. And obviously the Raiders dropped to 1-1 after losing to the Chiefs. That means your Kansas City Chiefs, ladies and gentlemen, 2-0 by themselves atop the AFC West. You'll definitely take that two weeks into the season. Uh, I can't remember. I want to say last year they were uh they were 2-0 obviously they were f- they their first 5 games they won they lost to the patriots in week 6 
But I think by week two, they were also by themselves in first place. And you know what the best part is about all this? Their first two games on the road. And they won them both. And now they're getting ready for what's going to be a tough Ravens team. A great home opener. You're you're undefeated to, to start at home. Uh, you got two road games already in the books. You won both of them. Now you're getting ready for your home games. And it's going to be good to see the Chiefs have that behind their backs for their first home game. Absolutely. And that's going to be a fun game to... Uh... It's going to be a fun game to watch because you've got two of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league anymore. Um, you know, they'll be going head to head because Lamar Jackson, guys, like, you know, he, he uh, has shown that he, not only can he throw the ball, I mean, or not only can he run the ball, which we knew from college, but he's also got an arm on him as well. Um, so it's going to be a tough game. Hopefully, uh, you know, not as nerve wracking as the last time we went head to head, but, you know, we'll cover that more in the preview episode. Yeah, definitely, and that will be on Thursday's episode. Daniel Harms will be joining us for that episode. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of improvements, and we'll touch on that and much more on Thursday's episode. Some Chiefs news this week that we did not get to talk about since the podcast came out. Byron Pringle was released by the Chiefs. He cleared waivers. He then re-signed with the Chiefs practice squad, and then a day later, the Chiefs went on to release Traymond Smith. I don't know if he cleared waivers or what ended up happening with him, uh, but after Tremont Smith was let go, Byron Pringle went back to the 53-man roster. So kind of an interesting week for Byron Pringle. As for the Chiefs' secondary, let's go back to that defense for a moment, Zach, because uh, there have been a lot of teams that have inquired for Dolphin safety Minka Fitzpatrick, who was taken in the first round last year by the Dolphins. Uh, according to reports, and there are lots of different reports out there, more than half of the NFL teams have reached out to the Dolphins. I think I saw uh, another report that said 20 teams have reached out to the Dolphins. And then I think ESPN mentioned that there are five teams with serious uh, interest and a, a possibility uh, in which they could uh, land Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about Reggie Ragland being inactive in the first two games. We have not brought that up on the podcast once yet. And some are wondering if Reggie Ragland is going to be part of a package deal uh, that will send him to Miami for Minka Fitzpatrick. By the way, first-round pick out of Alabama, he had two picks last year. He played all 16, started 11 games. I'm not too crazy on Fitzpatrick right now. Do you think he would come in and make a big difference for our chief secondary? Short answer, no. Though, I mean, to be honest, like you know, what I was you planning to say on this was just that I think it's you know, kind of silly how many people have been you know, all excited about like yeah we should absolutely you know make that trade for Minka Fitzpatrick you know send a first rounder if we have to I think I saw you know a handful of people calling for that um, but no that's silly he's not worth that um, at least from what I've seen thus far I mean I but flip side of that if you were to say send a fourth rounder and Reggie Ragland in exchange well. All right, I'd take a flyer on that. Uh, I, I think mean, I think that'd be a hurt. steal. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, like it or not, I mean, you know, I was calling for Reggie Ragland. You know, I mean, I was hot taken thinking that he wasn't going to break camp with the team, and you know, while I was wrong on that, uh, I was correct on understanding the impact that he would have on this team, which is to say, none. Uh, and so, you know, if we could get something for him, fantastic. Um, you know, always happy to take a flyer on a defensive back if the price is right. That's my biggest, you know, issue here. It's like, you know, when you see people clamoring for 
a move such as this, ultimately what it comes down to is the price tag. Um, and so, you know, is it worth taking a shot? Certainly, at the right price and only at the right price. Let us know your thoughts on anything we've discussed so far. The win over the Raiders, the 2-0 start, um, the news about the Chiefs possibly getting Minka Fitzpatrick. Facebook.com slash Farzine Visugian, at Farzine21 on Twitter, at Z Stegna, and again, the number 913-808-2119. Before we get to our text and hit a couple of our closing segments, uh, I want to touch on uh, the 2020 Hall of Fame candidates. So there are eight former Chiefs. And again, some of them have been with the Chiefs for a while. Some had very short stints with the Chiefs. But there are eight former Chiefs among the 122 modern-era finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm going to read the list real quickly and just kind of go over their Chiefs resumes. And uh, we'll talk about whether or not uh, we think uh, any of these guys will still be nominees come January. So uh, Dave Krieg. Uh, played only two years in Kansas City, 21 starts with the Chiefs. Uh, as far as his NFL career goes, he's in the top 20 in a lot of passing categories. And by the way, was he also the same guy who was sacked seven times by Derek Thomas? That's why I knew his name. I honestly forgot that he also played quarterback for us because I saw that name and I was like, oh yeah, that's the guy Derek Thomas got seven times. So for some reason I thought it was a different quarterback, but... Uh, you had looked that up before we started recording, so that's who Dave Creek is. Uh, he's accomplished a lot in his career. Priest Holmes, also a nominee, uh, one of the 122 modern era finalists. He obviously broke the touchdown record at the time in 2003. Didn't have the idea, ideal length uh, in his playing career, but still accomplished a lot, especially in Kansas City when he did play. Brian Waters also on the list. A six-time Pro Bowler, five with Kansas City, one with New England. It's a no-brainer. I think he will get it. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Kicker Nick Lowry, 13th most uh, field goals all-time in NFL history. He was also a 2007 Hall of Fame nominee. Defensive tackle Chester McLaughlin. Sad story about his death in 2011. Uh, Great career, but his KC stint was actually very forgettable. Didn't do very well with the Chiefs. Defensive end Leslie O'Neal. His uh, last two years in the NFL was in Kansas City. Not uh, two great years with the Chiefs, but still went out there, got a few sacks, did some things. 132 and a half sacks in his career. By the way, Zach, this never occurred to me. Neil Smith is not in the Hall of Fame. For some reason, that never occurred to me once uh, that he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't know why. Uh, I guess that just has always been something I've forgotten about. Uh, But Neil Smith is on the list, as is cornerback Albert Lewis. And by the way, Neil Smith, 104 sacks in his career. Albert Lewis, a four-time Pro Bowler with 42 interceptions, 38 of them with Kansas City, the rest with the Raiders. So I'll go first on this. Which players will remain a nominee in January? I think Dave Krieg, Brian Waters, Leslie O'Neill, and Neil Smith are all going to be nominees in January, and I think they'll all get in within the next couple of years. There was some sort of rumor that the Pro Football Hall of Fame, in honor of the 100-year anniversary, they want to induct 20 players this year and moving forward, which if they do that, that'd be nice because then you'd get a lot of players who are worthy of getting in, finally getting in. A lot of great players in the past, um, like Otis Taylor, who was definitely worthy, one of the best receivers in his era. Uh, He has yet to go in. Um, So it'd be ideal if if the NFL did uh, increase that number, but we'll see if they uh, do that. I don't know if that's official or not. I think that was just a rumor. Uh, but those are my four guys. Albert Lewis, I think, is going to fall short. P- 
Priest Holmes is a very interesting one. I know Terrell Davis, he had only four really good years in the NFL. And four damn good years. Uh, but the rest of his uh, career derailed by injuries. And in fact, that's what shortened his playing career. And a lot of people are wondering, Priest Holmes, he didn't have a lot going on. Sure, he didn't have playoff success. Whereas Terrell Davis won a Super Bowl MVP and had a 2,000-yard season. Uh, Priest Holmes is a hard one. That is a very, very hard one. Even Jamal Charles was criticized this offseason in his TMZ interview saying that he deserves to go into the Hall of Fame because he has better numbers than some of the guys in the Hall of Fame. Um, it's a tough one. And then as far as Lowry goes, look, great kicker. It's just hard for kickers to be favored in these kinds of things. So I don't have him, uh, being a nominee in January. Zach, what do you say? Who do you think will remain a nominee, uh, by the time they trim this, uh, list in, uh, in January? I mean, so just to make sure that I'm looking at this right, what do they trim the list down to in January? Is this where they trim it down to like, yeah, that call it see, know, the, see 15 that's, some odd guys or what that's what i don't know because of the rumor that they want to induct 20 guys generally i think they have 20 15 guys and then they pick five six seven eight guys uh that go in uh they announce it uh the night before the super bowl uh for the nfl honors if, if that answers your question okay i mean it's one of those things that the way that i look at the hall of fame you know obviously i look at you know, people in kind of two tiers. There's the guys who are like, yep, that's a Ring of Honor kind of guy. And obviously, like, you know, if you make it to the Hall of Fame, you're very clearly a Ring of Honor kind of guy. Uh, but, you know, there's Hall of Famers and then there's Ring of Honor guys. Really, on this list, I only see one Hall of Famer, and that's Brian Waters. I think that, you know, Neil Smith had a great career, but he's still, you know, he's a Ring of Honor guy. Same goes for Priest Holmes. If Priest had been able to stay healthy, maybe you'd have a case for the Hall of Fame. But again, Ring of Honor guy. Dave Krieg, I mean, I guess, you know, statistically, if he's top 20 in a lot of those categories, then, you know, perhaps there's more of a case than I previously understood. But, you know, the fact that I only knew him as the guy who, uh, you know, Derek Thomas sacked seven times, like, you know, he's not one of those names, like, you know, even though he put up some great numbers, like, you know, I don't think he's one of those names that you immediately think about. In terms of like, yeah, that guy was great. Um, and that's where I think that, you know, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned when it comes to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, I like it whenever it's the players who are like, yes, absolutely, he was phenomenal. Like, he was really a game-changer as opposed to somebody who just put up a bunch of numbers. Like, obviously, those two things go hand-in-hand. Hand, but, you know, I think it's got to, you know, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be reserved for those guys who really absolutely move the needle at their position. Um and I think that Brian Waters is one of those guys. Neil Smith is certainly strong, but I don't know. I, I you know, if he goes in, obviously I'll be excited. But uh, I just don't think he's quite gonna make that cut. I I strongly disagree on your comments about Neil Smith because you you've got to consider he also shared the field with Derek Thomas and he and DT. I mean, those are two guys who were really instrumental in helping the Chiefs have probably the best defense in the 90s. Don't you think that will... I know his sack numbers are not the same as Leslie O'Neill's, but I think that'll give him at least a chance to get in by the time they trim this list uh, at the end of the season. Don't you think? Yeah. No, sorry, I guess I should have you know, clarified a little bit. When it comes to the list cut down, uh, you know, I think that Smith you know, absolutely makes that. I just... Sorry, I, I cut the list piece and went straight to is he getting a bust in Canton 
Oh, uh, okay, okay, I got that's, you. That's I where you. I mixed up there. Uh, sorry about that. No, but no, no you're I good. think that for you know the, for the cut down, you know, Krieg will make it. Waters will make it. Lowry maybe. I don't know. It all comes down to what they think of kickers. Um, Priest Holmes. You know, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, he's another one of those guys who was absolutely great. Uh, but, you know, he had a lot of injury issues, and there are those who would absolutely, like, you know, point to the fact that he was running behind one of the historically great offensive lines um, and, you know, use that almost to discount his success, which I don't think is fair, don't get me wrong, but I could absolutely see that as an argument. Uh, but then I could also see uh, Neil Smith and Albert Lewis both making the cut as well. Leslie O'Neill, I mean, numbers-wise, maybe, uh, you know, numbers-wise, I guess he'll make the cut for sure, but... uh Again, I, he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who gets a bust. Let us know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Vesugian at Farzin21 on Twitter and at Z Stegnall on Twitter. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? That is a place to let us know. The conversation doesn't stop here. You can always contact us and let us know. All right, before we get to our closing segments, uh, we'll, do a, we'll, we'll hit a couple of those closers. Uh, let's read a couple of text messages. Let me pull up. So the text, in the meantime, 913-808-2119, you can send us a text, you can leave a voicemail. Uh, some of this, um, some of these I'm just now reading for the first time, it appears we have a voicemail, so um, I'm not, uh, so Zach and I were connected on our phone, so I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work, so um, we're going to figure this out on the go. Uh, let's just read the text messages first. Uh, first from Michael in North Carolina, Mahomes is unstoppable. 57 touchdowns this year for him. Okay, 57. That's quite an optimistic number. Somebody on the Facebook Live was asking me if um, if he if I think Mahomes is going to have 60. I think that's look. Mahomes last year had 10 touchdowns in two weeks. This season he has what seven touchdowns in two weeks. So a bit of a slower start for him uh, in terms of numbers go. Uh, obviously not in terms of you know how he's playing. He's still playing at a high level. Uh, but in terms of the touchdown numbers, he's on pace to have fewer than last year. Uh, I don't think he, I think he'll get fifty, but maybe not much more than that. Yeah, fifty-seven's a lot. I could see like you know fifty-five, but you know it just ultimately comes down to you know as as we saw today. I mean, you know, could he probably have put up you know five, six touchdowns today if we had just continued throwing the ball? Maybe, but we didn't. So. You know, I think that's going to be the bigger issue to, that'll keep him from uh, you know, putting up those kinds of touchdown numbers. From the 313, by the way, last week we had this weird trend of people sending in texts and not giving their names, which is which was interesting. Uh, Aaron from Northern Virginia, he sent a text last week saying 18 more to go. Now he wrote a text saying 17 more to go. 17 more until uh, my 19-0 prediction uh, comes true, Zach. I mean, again, uh, I would love to be on that bandwagon. We'll talk when we get to 12. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, from the 316, uh, Sean in the ICT. What's the ICT? Unless that's an error? I I, I don't know. Okay. I, uh, I, I, I know what an ICU is, but I don't think that's a good place to be texting from either, so I really have no <laughs> idea what that is. <laughs> Yeah, I hope he's not texting from there. Uh, Sean, uh, text us. What's the ICT? I'm curious. Um, Unless that's a mistake. I don't know. But uh, anyway, his text. Uh, I see... 
an improving defense and an electric offense. I have two questions this week. Number one, Dustin Colquitt will be an all-time leader in games played for the Chiefs next week. Yes, he is correct on that. He's right now tied with Will Shields. Will he end up in the Ring of Honor or in the Hall of Fame? Uh, number two, why are teams going for two for the win instead of playing overtime? Seems reckless to me. Okay, I think he's referring to what the Broncos did. Let's answer the Dustin Colquitt question. Uh, Ring of Honor guy? Yes, absolutely. Hall of Fame, again, I think you and I kind of were in agreement on this with Lowry. Great, great players, but it's so hard to get behind special teams guys. Um, generally, they just don't get favored in these kinds of things. It's always the quarterbacks, the running backs, the guys with the flashy stats. Um, kickers and punters don't have flashy stats, Zach. Well, and that's the thing, especially like, I mean, kickers, it's one thing because, you know, you get a lot of all-time scoring leaders and, you know, at least, you know, with kickers, like, you have the opportunity to perform an incredibly clutch situation. So, like, you know, Adam Vinatieri, for example, you know, whenever he retires, you know, that just starts the five-year clock uh, to him being, you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Also, I've heard rumors that that might actually start tomorrow. We'll find out. Yeah, that could, uh, yeah. Stay, stand by on that. But, uh, you know, for punters, like, it's an even, I mean, while it's obviously hard for kickers to get in, it is so much more difficult for punters to get in because, like it or not, you know, you, you, it's never really a compliment to a team to be like, man, you've got the best punter in the NFL. Look at him. He's so much better than everybody else. It's like, you don't want to have to use him, sadly. Like, that's just the nature of the job. Uh, so do I think that he's, you know, performed at such a high level for such a long time? you know, that he can absolutely merit Ring of Honor inclusion? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Hall of Famers, I mean, like, I don't know. I'd be interested to know how many punters really are in the Hall of Fame. I would imagine, you know, probably Ray Guy and Lou Groza maybe, or I guess Groza was a kicker. But, uh, you know, I, I can't think of too many punters off the top of my head who are like, yeah, a Hall of Fame punter, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, really, it does make being a Hall of Fame punter all the more amazing given how difficult it is. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not a position that you want to have the, uh, you know, you don't want to be that great at that, if that makes any sense. It, to add on to that, it's it's like, how do you determine who the best punter is? Because if someone is leading the NFL in punt uh, yards punted, it's like, okay, that, that also probably means you're punting a lot, which generally is not good, Um I mean, it's not good for your team, but I guess individually, yeah. If you're if if you have a lot of yards and your average is high, sure, I I, I guess that's good. So, um, you know, that's why you and I are not the voters, and there are other people out there who are uh, voting on that, and that's for them to figure yep. out. All right, here's the thing. Just looked it up. There is a single punter in the NFL Hall of Fame, and that's Ray Guy. Okay. Um, not sure exactly what it is that made him so much better than all the others, but yep, that's uh. That's the single punter in the Hall of Fame. And so while I think that, you know, if there was a Hall of Fame specifically for punters, and by that I mean, you know, just to say who is, you know, absolutely the best of the best on that, well, then Colquitt certainly merits inclusion in that sort of conversation. But the fact that he's a punter just kind of, you know, precludes him from inclusion in the Hall of Fame realistically. Uh, By the way, his other question about why teams are going for two I, I will say, as soon as the Chiefs game ended, I did my Facebook Live, and then I, Zach and I were getting ready for the podcast. So I'm not fully aware what he's referring to, unless his there only reference two. is the Broncos game. Okay, what was the other one? 
so the Jaguars tried as well. Oh, that's uh, right. Today. That's right. And then the Broncos. I mean, so I guess while both of those teams lost, uh, the Jaguars lost because they went for two and failed, and so then they were down by one, and that was ball game. The Broncos, on the other hand, succeeded, um, and they succeeded with like call it thirty seconds on the clock. Uh, so. I mean, I understand where you're coming from in terms of, like, yeah, force overtime and just go from there. But by the same token, you know, as Chiefs fans especially, like, we've seen what can happen with overtime rules. If you have the chance to just absolutely ice it and not get to that point, I mean, really, it's just there's two schools of thought on that. You know, you can either absolutely go for it and trust your guys to get the job done, or you can, you know, trust them to get the job done in overtime. I, mean, I think it's really just kind of a, uh, you know, it's just a coach choice. It's kind of like going for it on fourth down, though I think that there's more of a you know, statistical you know, backup for going for it on fourth uh, as opposed to this, you know, two-point conversion. I'm not sure that, you know, I'd have to look into the stats to understand the conversion rates on that. Uh, but, you know, I absolutely understand wanting to just, you know, go out there, win, you know, kind of puff your chest out and say, yep, we took care of business and uh, we earned that victory. We don't have to take overtime. Yeah, I mean, look at the Chargers game last year against the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football where, you know, it was a really bold move. And look, if if it works, the coaches are geniuses, the players, phenomenal execution. But if it doesn't work, uh, you know, terrible on the coach. He should be fired. Uh, he at least needs to answer for that. And the terribles, terrible, uh, the players, terrible execution. It's like, it's a double-edged sword with that. So um, I don't mind teams going for two. Hey, if anything, as a viewer, makes the game more exciting to watch. Last text. Let me make sure it is a last text because we are getting some messages as we're recording too. Uh, from the 626, Daniel in Florida says, So far, the offense in two games, it's been a pick your poison. Watkins in game one and Robinson in game two. Do you think Kelsey in game three? Well, I, I got to disagree a little bit because as we mentioned, Kelsey also had 100 yards in this game. You had two uh, players uh, with 100 receiving yards. I know Robinson had the much bigger game with two touchdowns and 100, what was it, 178 yards? I don't have it in front. 172 yards. Um, so he had the bigger game. Uh, l- look, I don't know who it's going to be. I thought Kelsey was going to have a much bigger game. Uh, but again, Demarcus Robinson, we, ne- we didn't see that coming at all. So uh, it's always hard to say with this offense. You know this offense is going to do well, Zach. You know they will. That's not a question here. It's just a matter of who has, who is going to have the bigger game as a pass catcher, and that is always up for debate, and that's always hard to uh, pin down who you think it's going to be. And I think that's the fun part of watching this Chiefs offense. Absolutely. Though uh, I, I am going to actually disagree with the idea of Kelsey getting it in Week 3, and it's not any disrespect to Kelsey at all. It's simply, I mean, it, it's actually quite the contrary. Um, and the reason for that being that you know that he's one of the most, you know, difficult weapons to stop he's proven it over you know a much longer period of time and you know he's been a pro bowler you know he's arguably I mean I I think that you know there's maybe one or two other players uh who could maybe even remotely claim this uh you know he's the best tight end in the NFL today it's you know I don't think it's particularly close Zach Ertz does a nice job George Kittle to a lesser extent as well uh but you know Kelsey's kind of in a class of his own now that Gronk retired uh and like it or not, he's going to be one of the first things that you look to take away. Uh, you know, he's not going to be the, uh, you know, I guess it'll take a long time for it to get to the point where people are more concerned with 
stopping other Chiefs weapons than they are with stopping Kelsey, if that makes any sense. So, you know, I don't think that he's going to have quite the uh, explosion that we saw from Demarcus Robinson or Sammy Watkins. Um, and that's, you know, no disrespect to him in any way, shape, or form. By the way, we're going to have to uh, take a pass on the uh, voicemail. So, on your iPhone, you know when you get um, a voicemail, it'll transcribe it before you even listen to it? Yep. So, I, I'm i reading the transcription right now. Uh, at, mm-hmm. at One of the transcript in the transcription, uh, he at one point says the word sucking, but I think it's a completely different word. Uh, he also drops just a... You'll have to listen to it to find out. Yeah, uh, he also drops a GD. It actually does uh, censor out one of the words. Uh, I, I don't know, ma'am or sir. Uh, please, you're more than welcome to resend your um, your voicemail, but we definitely can't play any uh, explicit calls. So uh, please uh, feel free to resend that again. 913-808-2119. I greatly appreciate everyone who sent in a text message. Uh, again, 913 808 Two one one nine. All right, let's wrap this show up. Let's go out of bounds. A fourth grader bullied in Tennessee for a handmade shirt he made uh, of the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, picked on because of a shirt, Zach. That's um, that's ridiculous. But. The University of Tennessee, they picked up on the news that he was being bullied, and they made his handmade shirt into an actual shirt, uh, and they have it for sale on their website, and the school is offering him a full scholarship. Uh, Look, I'll give it to Tennessee. Rocky Top Man, bullying is a serious issue, especially in today's age, with how easily that crap can spread outside of schools. Uh, The University of Tennessee spoke up and said, hey, this is not okay to belittle someone. It's not cool. It's unacceptable, and therefore, we're going to counter this bullying by making him feel special. Uh, again, it may not feel like the biggest thing in the world to let this guy's dream shirt become a real shirt, but hey, uh, it probably makes him feel pretty special. And I think it sends a message to those bullies that, hey, look, if this is gonna ha- if this is how you're going to act, well, we're going to respond by making his dreams come true in a way and let, let you know... What you're doing is not okay. Uh, gotta give a lot of props to Tennessee. I'll say it. I'll say it, man. Rocky Top. Uh, I like it. 100%, man. Like, that's, that is a class move by the University of Tennessee. Uh, and I, I knew about the making, the sh- you know, the handmade shirt into an actual shirt that they're selling on the website. What I didn't know was about the full scholarship. That's an even classier move, man. Like, yeah, nothing but respect. Rocky Top, you know, good on you guys. Well done. Very cool to hear. Uh, This is a very interesting story. The state of California passed a bill last Wednesday to allow college students to hire, um, uh, college athletes, I should say, to hire agents to get paid for the use of their name and sign endorsement deals. The NCAA sent a letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom urging him to veto Senate Bill 206. The NCAA also threatens to bar California colleges from competitions over student-athlete pay. Then things got interesting. Tim Tebow had a very strong stance against this bill. Um, say Now, look, it's easy for Tim Tebow to say when your family is rich and you know, you're a big-name player getting ready to uh, go to the NFL, you knew you were going to get drafted and get a lot of endorsement deals. So it's easy for Tebow to say. Tebow got called out by a lot of his colleagues at ESPN, by NFL players, by everybody. Listen, you and I both went to KU. Let's be blunt. 
We are in the state of Kansas. Why would anyone from Chicago, LA, Texas, Florida go study at KU? It's not for academic reasons. Every time I met someone who was not from Kansas or Missouri and they were from Chicago or somewhere else, I always said, I said, what made you want to come to KU? I was always curious. 99% of them, Zach, said, I love the basketball team. Or my brother, my sister, my cousin, they went to KU and I uh, came to visit them. They took me to a basketball game and I loved it and I wanted to come to KU because of that. My point is, these athletic programs, although they're not run by student athletes, they kind of are, okay? Look, I just went on StubHub and you want to talk about generating dollars? The first KU regular season game at home at Allen Fieldhouse on StubHub rose 10 through 5. Tickets go from $300 to $400 a pop. Uh, I can only imagine what it is for the first five rows, but man, your player, I build self, does great things, don't get me wrong, but your players, they're also a big part in that as well. I don't know what the right dollar amount would be for them to be uh, to, to receive for endorsement deals. Maybe a couple thousand dollars here and there. And yes, keep in mind, they get a free ride, most of them. Walk-ons, not so much. But uh, they're already getting a, a free education. I think they deserve a few dollars here and there. A couple thousand dollars, but nothing too significant as a college student. Yeah, and when it comes to the endorsement deals especially, like that's that would be the equivalent of... You know, say like a car dealership or something in Lawrence, you know, uh, essentially paying, you know, Devontae Graham or Frank Mason or, you know, insert, you know, one of the great you know, KU basketball players here that we've had over the few last you know, few seasons. Uh, and so to that end, like, you know, there's no set rate and I don't think there should be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out with the state of California specifically. Um just because you know, I think that you know, there's still the ongoing debate over NCAA uh, you know, payment to students. Obviously, I fall on the same side of you know, the fact that a lot of these, uh, you know, especially when it comes to the revenue sports of football and basketball, um, well, sadly, you know, historically, specifically men's basketball there, um, the ones that you know, generate you know, all the income for the, or well, not all the income, but certainly most of the income for the athletic departments and stuff like that, like, there's definitely a need for them to, you know, recoup some of the economic value that they provide. That's just right. Um, now, the one thing I'll say just to, you know, at, on what you mentioned about why people from, you know, Chicago, L.A., Texas, Florida, whatever you have coming to study at KU. One thing that can't be uh, understated about that. I mean, well, obviously it's, you know, the basketball team and the uh, you know general culture on campus and the fact that, you know, or I guess just the amount of contribution that the you know basketball team and you know just athletics makes to a college experience uh, when it specifically comes to some of those areas uh, part of the reason for people coming to KU too is just the cost whenever you're in-state tuition at say like Illinois or one of the California schools or uh, UT something like that when the in-state tuition there is more than out-of-state tuition at Kansas, yeah, um, that's that's also part of it. Uh, I know, especially when it comes to Chicago, that's a big part of it because U of I is really the only major, you know, in-state, uh, you know, or I guess state-funded institution. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of others, obviously. Don't get me wrong, but 
you know, U of I is like probably the strongest one and it's not particularly close there, but it's so expensive to go and do that that it's actually cheaper for people to go to KU uh, as opposed to you know, try to get into U of I or other schools in that state. Yeah, when I went to KU, and I was a transfer student, so I was there for only two years, but I learned, you know, I, I didn't really understand this until I got there that how much uh, sports can really make an impact for uh, recruitment, uh, especially like the other sports teams like football, rowing, baseball. They actually do use the basketball team as a recruiting tool, which would have never thought that, but that is what they do. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that's it, also why like, it's one of those things that like when a lot of people think Kansas, I mean, I've certainly seen this, you know, it, more pronounced here in New York City. Uh, you know, the Jayhawk brand is partially what it is because of, you know, the high profile that comes with the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. I mean, and as you said, the Jayhawk, a lot of people know about that. Um, it's it, it, it's a pretty big thing. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? No, I think we've kind of beat that one pretty hard. Sorry, it was probably a little right. longer than it should have been. No, that's okay. Uh, this one, I, I definitely think we might go a little long on as well. Uh, so Thursday was National Video Game Day. Uh, I've got to say, some of my favorite video games of all time. Number one, definitely the Final Fantasy series. In fact, I kind of wish this was not a video game and more of like a TV series or even a movie. You could even make a couple of movies out of those. Uh, Final Fantasy VII I loved. Final Fantasy IX I loved. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV, that one's one of the newer ones. Enjoy. Um, Grand Theft Auto games, love those. Uh, Call of Duty games, also a lot of fun. And then also, uh, from the Nintendo side of things, uh, the Legend of Zelda games were always really cool. Uh, so those were always some of my favorite video games, video game series, I guess. Um, I didn't play a whole lot of games. I mean, those were the games I played the most. A couple games here and there, like a Mario game or The Last of Us, which is a zombie apocalyptic game. A few, a Madden, of course. Uh, what were your go-to video games? I mean, so uh, there was the sports side, so, you know, Madden for football and then 2K for basketball that were always a blast. But then, uh, you know, far and away at the top of the list of favorite video game of all time, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and it's not close. Oh, Uh, yes. Like, that was such a fun game. And, like, the thing that was the best about that was, like, I mean, while it was fun whenever you were, like, you know, going through the quote-unquote campaign on your own, um, like, that was great, but really the fun of that was always, you know, you'd get a bunch of your friends over, and you'd just go to town. Like, it was yeah. so much fun. Like, Mario Kart, same sort of way. Um, and so those ones, obviously, you know, stick out as, you know, particularly memorable. Enjoyed the uh, Halo games at first, you know, especially 1 through 3. Um, I didn't really keep up with it after that. Uh, but, you yeah, those were some good games. also liked Saints Row, which was like Grand Theft Auto, yeah. but just like goofier. Um, yeah, that I had had a good time playing some of those as well. But yeah, far and away, personal favorite was uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee. I, I've I've seen like uh, YouTube clips of the newer Super Smash Brothers, and they've just got like a lot more characters now, and some it's I don't even fun. I don't even recognize a bunch of those. Um, by the way, funny story about Halo. So I had that on the computer once, and you know how you can use cheat codes for some of these things. Of course. So so I figured out how to do that for the first Halo online. So anytime I would shoot at a any, – anywhere I would shoot, anyone within like a 10-feet radius would just die. And that <laughs> I pissed off so many people doing that online. That's it was always funny. fun to do. I know people do also, that on Grand Theft Auto, too. you mention too. the uh, cheat codes and stuff, yeah, Star Wars Battlefront 2 just immediately came to mind there, too. Like the one that came out on the PlayStation 2. Um, 
that one was another that I learned the cheat codes for, but that was a great game. I remember when I was younger, I was so frustrated with the Final Fantasies, I did use cheat codes. So I did get through Final Fantasy IX with um, with maximum HP and one-hit knockout. So <laughs> uh, that, was, uh, that was fun nonetheless. All right, let's move on. Let's throw our penalty flags. All right, these are always very interesting. Uh, so a Catholic school in Tennessee is banning Harry Potter books. The pastor called for the ban from the school's library because of the series depiction of, quote, curses and spells. By the way, funny story about this pastor. Parents have complained about him because uh, apparently he has caused psychological and spiritual harm to children. So... Hmm. Sounds like yeah. a great thing for a pastor to do, cause spiritual harm to children. Great job, bud. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, he's calling for the ban on uh, on books because of uh, curses and spells. How funny is that? I mean, it's... Uh, whenever it comes to... Especially, like, we've seen this happen a couple times with the Harry Potter books. Like, that is the... Like, it is the stupidest thing. I do not understand... Uh, you know... I, I, I genuinely have no idea why... That's the you know, th- that's the series that people choose to fight with. Like I don't get it. I never will. It's just one of those things. Like yeah, I- I'm obviously entirely against banning books in general. Uh, I think that that's you know fundamentally stupid. But you know, especially these like. <sighs> I just don't understand at all. Hey, man, the, some of the books, some of the, uh, a lot of these banned books are considered some of the best. So, hey, uh, Harry Potter has now joined that list, I guess. Uh, I don't have any words for this one. A college student in Mexico attempted, quote, extreme yoga on a balcony in an L.A. apartment. Not just on a balcony. She was hanging from the outside part of the rail in the balcony uh, she apparently fell. Someone, by the way, thought it was a great idea to take pictures of her doing this rather than tell her to get off and use her brain. But yeah, she fell 80 feet uh, from the from the sixth floor while trying to perform some yoga pose. A lot of injuries, of course, as you can uh, understand. Uh, somehow, thankfully, she survived. But uh, w- why does anyone think that's a great idea to take pictures of? And why are you doing that in the first place? For the gram, bro. I, I I suppose. I mean, look, if you really want to do something stupid and get Instagram followers, just go on Big Brother. I, I don't know. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, I still think it's, you know, I mean, quote unquote, extreme yoga. I think really a better word for that is like, you know, natural selection. But, <laughs> you know, it, I just, you know, it just makes me laugh the lengths that people will go to. Because you know that those were being photographed specifically for Instagram. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's just absolutely stupid. But also, you know, given that no one died, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it, it's funnier when no one dies for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully uh, this teaches everyone a lesson, especially for uh, the lady herself who attempted this. Okay, look, I have a, a problem with this. Greg Popovich responded to the criticism for Team USA's 87-74 win over Poland in the 7th place game in the FIBA tournament. I'll be honest, I had no idea there was a 7th place game. Um, You know the uh, college basketball experience tournament they do every year with a four-team tournament? 
I remember yeah. uh, somebody won third place. They won the on the second night, and they were celebrating. I'm like, yeah, congratulations. You won third place in a four-team tournament. You must feel great about yourself. Anyway, uh, Popovich uh, called the criticism immature and arrogant. Listen, I get when you represent your country instead of the Lakers, the Yankees, or Sporting KC. There's a different level of pride there. It's a different level of field there. However, journalists and look, even fans, they're not obligated to only speak positively. As fans, look, I think it's important to just kind of relax on these kind of things and just enjoy international games and the players that are willing to represent the country. Um, whereas, you know, for journalists, look, you ha- you still have a job to do. So if you have a valid reason to criticize, do it. I don't care if you're repping the Lakers or Team USA. If there's valid criticism that needs to go around, say it. Yeah, um, I think that this is, a, while I certainly agree with the premise of what you said there, in this particular case, I think it's just a little bit different because, like it or not, this is basketball where... Yeah, the USA has always been so historically dominant. I mean, also, we invented the game, so there's a big part there as well. Um, I think that, you know, I understand where we come from on this particular thing, but, you know, I, I certainly would have liked to see a better outcome from this group of people because if you look at some of the teams that were out there, like, it's not like we were out-talented. Uh, you know, when it comes to the individual talent on the floor, I mean, we had plenty of it. Uh, we didn't have nearly the top-line talent that we are used to having. Uh, and I think that there's, you know, cert- while people are certainly criticiz- criticizing the guys who did play, I think that some of the criticism here, you know, that comes from fans who are just disappointed that the U.S. isn't on top where we've historically always been when it comes to basketball in either, you know, the FIBA World Cup or the Olympics. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the guys who sat out just you know, to get back to the NBA season, deserve as much criticism as the guys who you know at least put it out there on the court and played. Um, but I think that in this particular case, you know, immature and arrogant. I mean, maybe Coach Pop, but I think that like it or not, that arrogance when it comes to you know basketball, especially, I mean, it's kind of earned because our track record has spoken for itself uh, and. Just because this is the first team in, you know, I mean, I think they had like a 58 or 59 game winning streak on the international stage or something. Uh, and to have this team, you know, not only snap that winning streak, but start a losing streak. Now we're down two. like, sorry, man, you're going to have to take some of that criticism. That's just it comes with the turf. All right, we'll do one more. I know we usually do three, but we're going to squeeze one more in here. Rob Gronkowski tweeted And this was in response to a doctor, I believe, online on Twitter. His name is Chris Nowinski. He's verified for what that's worth. Uh, Talking to... um, Oh, I guess Rob was on uh, CBS News and talked about uh, head injuries. um, And also brought up concussions and CTE. Rob Gronkowski responded and said, It is fixable. I fixed mine. There are plenty of methods in this world that allow the brain to recover from severe damage. This is also why I would allow my kid to play football. And then in response to somebody else on Twitter, he says, I agree. I'm not saying I cured it. But he just said he fixed it. Look, I know the word fix and cure are not the same thing. But didn't he just say that CTE is fixable and that he he fixed his own CTE? I mean, I think that... In this is maybe going out on a limb here. 
I'm wondering if, you know, the quote-unquote fixed is his way of saying, like, yup, I've figured out a way to keep it from being a, you know, massively effective, or, you know, something that has a massive effect on my day-to-day life. Maybe that's where we're coming from, but, I mean, in this particular case, I tend to interpret fixed and cured as basically the same thing. Uh, and, you know, let's be real, so far we haven't figured out how to cure CTE. Um, and I think that, you know, like it or not, I think that that sounds to me more like the uh, 20-some-odd concussions talking as opposed to you know, something that can actually be backed up by facts. Yeah, uh, that is um, that is definitely a strange one, for sure. But by the same token, if he genuinely did, I mean, I see no reason not to put it to the scientific test. Um, and so, you know, I think that, you know, Gronk, I think the time has you know, clearly come to share some of those methods just to see if it, you know, can fix somebody else's CTE. Let us know your thoughts on anything we discuss. Facebook.com slash Farzing again, Twitter.com slash Farzing 201, and at Z 913-808-2119. If you guys ever have a story that you guys want to suggest for these closing hits, hey, let us know. Uh, definitely open to ideas for that as well. Maybe we missed something on the news, especially for penalty flags, because Lord knows there are a lot of them that deserve to be on here. But let us know if you guys... Uh, have any responses to anything we said, or if you have an idea for the penalty flag segment. Joining us right now on the podcast, he is a good friend of the podcast, been here many, many times over the years. He is the voice that you hear before my voice on this podcast. He is the singer for Chop It Up, the theme song for the Chief Zone podcast. He is Morgan Ganim, and he is with us here on the Chief Zone podcast. Morgan, thanks for taking a couple of minutes to be with us here on the podcast. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Thanks again for having me on. I always love doing this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll definitely have to talk a little bit of Chiefs football. But, of course, as I mentioned, uh, the song that you hear at the beginning of every episode, that is Chop It Up. I know the Chiefs have used it. I know Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, I, th- I think they rotate uh, in and out whenever Warpaint comes out. They change it each game, but they still do use your song at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, and, of course, we use it here on this podcast. Uh, and you do so many other great things. Your uh, music career has really gone up uh, over the years, and I definitely want to get into that in just a moment. But before we dive into all of that, real quickly, if people want to check out your music or follow you on social media, how can they do that? Yeah, totally. So if you want to take a listen to my music um, and also find me all over the Internet, then uh, just go to morgangannam.com. That's M-O-R-G-A-N-G-A-N-E-M, which is my last name, .com. And uh, you can find all of my social medias on there. And anything that's current that's going on in my career is always posted up there. So, yeah, go check it out. And you have a new single that is out. I saw that uh, on your social media. You had sent me a message about it. Uh, it is called Love You Like. And you've got kind of an interesting thing going on with that song, the, the green symbolism going with that. Uh, tell us tell us all about that. Yeah, so uh, I've, been, I've had this song in the, in the holster here for a little while. And uh, summer came around, and we decided it would be a good time to put it out. Um, and anyway, we... we picked kind of a, a color scheme that would go with it so that every time you saw this specific color you'd think of me and you'd think of the song so uh of course i'm a big fan of green it's just my favorite color um so we decided to go with a specific shade of green 
for all of the promotional shots and the album artwork and stuff like that. So it worked out pretty cool, and I, I think it's fairly effective, and it's kind of fun because the, the color gets your attention pretty well. Just like red also gets your attention. And maybe maybe next song I'll go with red, like Chiefs Red or something for the next one. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to have some sort of track ready for like a Super Bowl Chop It Up remix, no? Oh, I know. Yeah, we talked about that before. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we're getting closer. I don't know. We'll see, man. It looks pretty hopeful this year. I mean, obviously with Mahomes and all of his targets that he's going to be able to hit, uh, hopefully this season, man. I mean, we'll see what happens, but we're all pretty hopeful. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. And we'll talk Chiefs with you in, in just a little bit because I want to. I want your opinion on a couple of things. Plus, I got a question to ask you about the Chiefs that maybe you know a little bit more than me, and I'll ask you that in a moment. But uh, as far as your music career goes, look, I know there are so many people. You know, when they were in high school and college, you know, them and their buddies, they'd get together with a band. And I know you did something similar with a couple of your friends. In fact, the uh, if I if I need to be accurate, the actual band singing that uh, the theme song for this podcast is Sounds. Uh, I know you guys are not, not together anymore, but I, uh, I'm i sure you guys still keep in touch. No, but you're doing your own thing now, which is certainly understandable. But you know, a lot of people are doing their own band kind of deals in the area. But I mean, you're 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 somewhat of a notable name, and uh, you know, I'll toot your own horn for you. I mean, I've seen like you're on your Instagram and on your Snapchat. I mean, you're signing autographs, you're kissing babies, you know, ladies are all <laughs> over you. Uh, I mean, you're you're a pretty big deal. I'm looking at your Facebook page, nineteen thousand. I still remember, you know, you. And I, we were both in the hundreds. I've got, yeah. you know, just a, I've got a couple thousand, but you've got, you know, tens and thousands almost. Yeah, well, you know, things have been really good, and I'm, I'm really thankful that uh, God's blessed me with a platform that I can do some good with, you know. And uh, I love people, you know. So anytime we go out and do a show or have any kind of uh, meet and greets or any kind of events, uh, radio stuff, stuff like that, I always like to talk with people and. Uh, make sure we get lots of pictures and video because that's that's my favorite part of the whole thing is being able to connect with people and uh, make some lifelong friends even sometimes. There's been a lot of people out on the road that I, I become very close friends with, you know, and that's part of uh, what I love about music. It kind of transcends age, gender, uh, nationality, like political stance, like even even when it comes to, you know, football and stuff like that. Uh, you can be fans of different teams, but when you all come together with music, it's all kind of, you know, everybody's the same. We're all on the same platform. So uh, that's one of my favorite parts, man. I've just been blessed to meet a lot of great people throughout the years. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen like YouTube videos or even something a little bit longer, like certain documentaries about certain bands or uh, singers who are constantly on the road working so much. I'm curious for you, what is that like for you? Are you, I mean, do you have, uh, like in football, uh, at least a little bit of an off-season or some downtime, or is it always constant on-the-go for you in your in your line of work? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably kind of similar to, uh, you know, the guys in football. I mean, there definitely is some downtime, but only regarding, you know, going out and performing and stuff. Really, when there's quote-unquote downtime, there's other things that have to be done, you know, in preparation for the season, you know, when it comes around. Uh, again, just like football. So, you know, when I'm so-called downtime, I'm in the studio writing, you know, I'm uh, working on promotions for what's coming next, uh, either songs or albums or uh, events, you know, that I'll be doing uh, if it's touring or uh, like we just put Love You Like out 
um, on August 9th. And uh, it was one of my biggest streaming uh, first week releases of my career, which is really awesome. Um, and you never know, you know, when you put a song out, if it's really going to do well or not. But this one just happened to strike a chord with uh, some people. So I was thankful for that. But uh, because of that and because it seems to be doing pretty well organically, uh, we we decided to go to radio with this one. So um, it actually just sent out to radio a couple of days ago, and so far so good. We've got ads in Oklahoma already and even in New York. So um, there's a good possibility coming up. We're planning on at least uh, I'll be going out and doing a radio tour uh, here in the next few months and uh, kind of going out and meeting people in radio and doing interviews and performances and things like that. That is awesome. Very cool. Good for you. I'm glad you're getting all of that uh, for yourself. You definitely deserve it, and I know how hard you've worked over the years. Uh, Morgan Ginnum. Yeah, absolutely. Morgan Ginnum here with us on the Chief Zone podcast. Now, I do have a question for you because I know you're a huge Chiefs fan, but you know your line of work is, is also very important as well, and the most ideal time for people to go to a concert would be on the weekends. And yeah, yeah there are concerts you know during weekdays as well, but weekends, the more ideal, the more popular time to go. I'm curious... Uh, uh, you were you, we were just talking before we started recording. You mentioned Saturday night you had a, a big concert uh, with your dad, and you're pretty worn out on on, on Sunday and all. Um, because because the music industry and people like going to concerts on weekends. Do you get a lot of opportunities to see the Chiefs uh, during the season? You know, sometimes it is difficult. Now, a lot of times, uh, well, not really a lot of times, but some of the times, you know, they play. I guess during the daytime, and I do get to catch them like today fortunately um we we just got done with the show and everything and uh, you know like you said i'm a little bit worn out a lot of times that is the case but uh um a lot of times we do get to see the the games but if it's at night time if the game's at night time uh we usually don't get to see it because a lot of our shows are at night you know so uh yeah it can be a struggle to try to be able to to keep up with what's going on, but I definitely have it on my phone too, and I'll be streaming it or uh, just watching the ESPN to make sure I know what's going on as much as possible. You know, I remember several several years ago. I think it was 2011. I, uh, my family and I, we went to a Kanye West and Jay Z concert, and it was the same night that Kanye and Jay Z were part of the Victoria's Secret fashion. I mean, they, oh, they had wow, like, yeah. The, they were they were on the, obviously that's pre-recorded now the concert started an hour and a half later than it was supposed to and i guess speculation was they delayed it just so they could uh they could watch themselves on tv do you ever do that like if there's an afc championship game and you got a concert do you just say all right you know everyone can just you know drink some beer for an hour or so i gotta watch this game are you gonna do that kind of thing this year yeah i mean you know Definitely, if we go to the championship, uh, I'll try to make sure my schedule's cleared. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and if we go to the Super Bowl, then you know your boy's going to be watching that game no matter. I mean, even if I got to be taking breaks, you know, in between songs or something, I don't. <laughs> there will be a way. So now, usually, I try to I try to coordinate things a little bit around my chief. You know, you gotta you gotta have your priorities straight, right? Yeah, well, let me ask this, and I don't mean any disrespect because, you know, and not just in your line of work, but anything, it's like when the Super Bowl is on, every other channel, they're doing reruns of 
TV shows that won't have any ratings. Uh, so that kind of makes me wonder, have you ever heard of a concert on the same night as a Super Bowl? Because I don't think anyone would ever want to schedule anything on the same night, uh, same time as a Super Bowl. No. Yeah, that'd be the kiss of death, I think. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever really heard of any major concerts uh, on the same night as the Super Bowl, unless it had something to do with the Super Bowl. But then again, you know, like, I mean, you'll go to, you know, some smaller venues and there'll always be someone uh, trying to capitalize on the whole Super Bowl party kind of thing and they'll maybe have a guitar player with a microphone or something which I always feel bad for those people because a lot of times they put the TVs behind the performer oh. they'll be up there singing or something you know and, <laughs> and everybody looks like they're really intently watching him and he's probably thinking man these people love me you know they can't take their eyes off me but in reality <laughs> they're, they're watching the game behind him you know her so yeah yeah, i don't know i don't think it's a great idea but some people try to do it (laughs) uh what are your thoughts with this chiefs team i know i mean everyone you mentioned uh mahomes and a lot of the offensive targets he's got and andy Reid, of course uh, i mean one of the best head coaches in nfl history the 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 numbers speak for itself uh what are your thoughts with this football team man i mean i feel really good about it of course like we say mahomes he's uh I think you should run for president, personally. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get the hashtag going, uh, Mahomes for president, you know, but I, it hasn't taken off yet, but I'm working on it. So, uh, of course, we got Sammy Watkins. He can be hitting him all day long and Hardman. And, uh, of course, Kelsey's still with us, which is great. Got to love that guy. To me, he's, like, part of the backbone, for sure, of our offense. And, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about defense just yet. I need to see a little bit more. I don't think I don't think anyone has anything to say about defense if we're being honest. Man, I mean, normally, you know, a lot of times the Chiefs defense is kind of a talking point, but there's so much going on with the offense this year. It's just like overwhelming. So, which is great though, because you know what I was concerned about is Mahomes not having any targets, but. Uh, we got some pretty good options here this year, which is great. So, but I'm also a little concerned about Tyreek. What's your thought yeah. on that? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's it is a rare shoulder slash neck injury. Uh, he should be back in about six to eight weeks. Uh, but you know, in my opinion, you know, if Patrick Mahomes is great, you know, he can be great with anyone. Uh, yeah, sure, Tyreek's a special kind of player, but uh, I think this offense is going to be in really good hands still, even uh, without Tyreek Hill for uh, for about a month, maybe a month and a half, maybe two months. So uh, we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, look, I wanted to ask you um, because you're obviously in Oklahoma, and I remember when I was uh, working for Six Ten Radio. When the Royals were in the World Series back-to-back years, obviously nobody, even in Kansas City, cared about the Royals for the longest time. And when they had those World Series runs back-to-back years, I remember uh, working at the station, we would get phone calls from people in Wichita. There was a strong fan base there. And even, you know, in other parts of the Midwest, Nebraska, uh, Iowa, uh, the even on the St. Louis side of Missouri, even though they've got a baseball team there, Arkansas, and of course, where you are in uh, in Oklahoma. I, I'm curious, uh, in the past year and a half, do you, have you noticed a stronger con- contingency of Chiefs fans there? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, you know, there for a while you'd see a few Chiefs fans here and there, and you could bump fists with them, you know, in Walmart or you know, at the mall or something, but I mean, it seems like the general population around here is definitely kind of jumping on the bandwagon, which 
it's great because the more fans we got, the more powerful we are. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs are pretty present here as far as uh, you know their organization and stuff and their fan base, which I think is great. I'm I'm definitely one of them, and I always spot other Chiefs fans everywhere I go, and I've still got a, a Arrowhead sticker on my car, you know. So I'm going to represent as much as I can right here in Oklahoma for the Chiefs. That is awesome. Very cool. Morgan Gannum here with us. If you want to check out his music, just look up Morgan Gannum on Apple uh, or iTunes, rather, or Apple Music now, I guess is what they're calling it. Spotify, Google Play, wherever. Uh, also on his website, morgangannum.com. Plus, all of his social media is Morgan Gannum. Uh, last thing before I let you go, Morgan, uh, is, is, do you have any upcoming projects that you are uh, planning to publish soon, or at least you're writing and working on that maybe you can talk about a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I've got uh, a few more songs in the can that we've uh, been working on. I've been in the studio a lot here recently. Um, it's kind of what I've been doing this summer, honestly, is doing a lot of writing. And I've uh, got a, a new song that's going to be coming out fairly soon. Uh, kind of once we do the promotion for Love You Like, that's still uh, ongoing, you know. Uh, you can write on a single for quite a while nowadays, which is really great. But at the same time, I like to stay fresh and have new music. So I do have some new music coming out. Um, can't say a whole lot about it just yet. Cause it's just it's still in the works, but um, it's going to be really cool, and I'm super excited for everybody to hear it um, and uh, hopefully connect with some people out there on the Internet. I love having conversations with people on Instagram and stuff like that and uh so, yeah, if you're interested in my music and uh, maybe even talking Chiefs, be sure to definitely hit me up online. I'd love to love to hear from you. And if you want to go online and do that, MorganGannum.com. And as I just mentioned, all of his social media is at MorganGannum. Hey, Morgan, uh, again, congratulations on all of your success. Uh, I know how hard you have worked on uh, your craft and how far you've come. It's so cool to see all of that and uh, you're, you're, you're big time now, yet you're still making time for the little people like us. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Keep it up. We'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on again. Well, I really appreciate it, Farzine. And, uh, I, you know, like I've said before, I always appreciate your support and your friendship, too. It's always a lot of fun to be on the podcast and talk about the Chiefs and some music. I enjoy it. So thanks for having <laughs> me on, man. Can't wait till the awesome. next time. All right. Take care, Morgan. All right, off he goes. That is Morgan Gannon. Big thanks to Morgan Gannon for joining us here on the podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine 21 At Z Stegna on Twitter. Tweet us. Interact with me on Facebook. 913-808-2119. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links as well. We'll do a Facebook Live again. Big thanks to all of you who joined us for the Facebook Live at halftime and after the game against the Raiders. We'll do it again next week against the Ravens. Uh, and again, greatly appreciate everyone who sent in a text for the podcast. I am Farzi Vesugian. He is Zach Stigna. Thanks again to Morgan Gannon for joining us. We will talk to you on Thursday, breaking down the game between the Chiefs and the Ravens and a lot more to get into. Talk to you then.